Thank you very much indeed, brother, for your warm words of welcome. It's lovely to be back in Stainfield again. I was just coming down the road there, and I was thinking, when was it since I done since we done that mission along with Pastor Wilson? Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Coming seven years in May, coming, and I have to say, yes, yes, haven't changed a bit. I have to use these now. It's not that I need them; it's just to make me more intelligent looking. But it's lovely to be back with you, to share with you, and, and thanks to the brother for doing the children's talk. I, I know it's the Lord's Day, and I know all that. Brother, uh, I'm looking a wee iron jumper made. Will you do one for me? <laughs> now, as you can see, you're all right. You can knit square. Square will do the back, but you might have to go the pot, but the sort of a bay window sort of a pattern to the front. But there we are. Pray. Listen to you, we, don't, we need a wee smile, don't we? But you know, there's enough out in that world today to get us down and to get us discouraged. So we need a wee lift, don't we? Need a wee lift from time to time just to, to really bless us. Now, sparing a wee word of prayer before we open and read God's word this morning. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank and praise Thee, Lord, indeed, for Thine infallible word of truth. I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit Himself, Lord, will use and take these lips of clay, and that, Lord, indeed, thy message this morning will not only, uh, Lord, motivate us, but, Lord, will make us into the people that you want us to be. Bless thy word, O God, and as always I am trusting thee for power, for thy power that cannot fail, and the word that thou hast given to me, it shall and it must prevail. Bless us now, Lord, as we settle down around thy word, for it's in the Saviour's name we pray. Amen. And amen. I want you to turn with me this morning, please, to Paul's epistle to the Galatians. And we're in the, the epistle to the Galatians, please. And we're in chapter number four. The epistle of Paul the Apostle to the Galatians, please. And we're over in chapter 4. Now, before I announce my text this morning, I want just to bring the title of God's message for us this morning. The text in which I'm going to preach from this morning, God has been pressing it very hard upon my mind. And upon my thoughts this week, and I know for sure that this is God's message for today, and I believe we're living in days where we need God's message, not just simple, straightforward sermons. We need a message from God in these days. And the title that I've placed upon God's message is simply... A convicting question. A convicting question. Because my text is a question this morning. And it's a question that carries with it a real deep sense of conviction. And it's a conviction not for sinners. It's a conviction for saints. And I believe today there's ever a day when God's people needs to be not only comforted and consoled, 
But God's people today needs convicted. And this morning, my text brings that spirit of conviction with it. And I wonder this morning as we settle ourselves down now, is there anybody here this morning and, and you've been asking the question, what is wrong in these days? What is wrong with Christians in these days? What is wrong with our churches in these days? Because nothing's happening. There's a deadness. There's this sense of lifelessness. There's this like spirit of, of apathy. You know, when I worked in Paul Thompson's many years ago in the plum encounter, and there was a sales rep come into me, and, and it was dinner time, and him and me had a wee cup of tea together, and, and, and we talked about church. He says, well, Mark, what about your church? How's your Oh, don't talk about our church, he says. He says, why, what's, what, 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 what's wrong? Ah, he says, our place... Dead as Hector, he says. He says, I can't be that bad. Ach, he says, I'm thinking of moving. He says, why, what, 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 what's wrong? Ach, he says, everything's dead. He says, the singing's dead. The preaching's dead. The congregation's dead. The minister's dead. He says, the very organist's dead. He says, I think the very church mouse is dead. Our place is not dead. And he says, the only place about our church where there seems to be life is the graveyard round the back for it gets new arrivals every other week. But tell me this, child of God, is it not true? There's a deadness. There's an apathy. There's a lack of zeal, a lack of joy, a lack of fire, a lack of passion in the people of God today. What has went wrong? Where has it gone? And the $60 million question I would like to ask this morning is this. What has the average Christian lost that they once possessed? I remember a few years ago I was preaching at a faith mission conference. I remember preaching on the parable in Luke 15, the parable of the woman that who had lost a piece of silver. And I remember taking the subject that night, she lost something that she once possessed. And I remember saying to them, people gathered at that conference, I says, what is it that the Christians, what is it that the churches once possessed, and today they've lost it? And that evening, as I ministered that word, I brought to the people that day, if there's one thing, one thing that Christians have lost, one thing that our churches have lost, and that is a fear of God. A fear of God. But this morning, I want to ask the question again, what is missing in our Christian lives today? What is missing in our churches today? Many of our churches. What's wrong? What's missing? Let me tell you what's missing. It's the reality of the presence of and the power of God in its fullness. And I want to come this morning 
And I want to just ask you this personal question before we go any further. Tell me, have you lost your joy? Have you lost your zeal? Have you lost your smile? Have you lost your song? Have you lost your vision? Well, maybe this morning, this message is for you. Oh, we have rituality, and we have formality, but where's the reality? Where's the reality? This morning, God wants to speak to us on the very text that I'm going to read just now, and I remember it's a question, a convicting question. It's Paul's letter to the Galatians chapter 4, and it's verse number 15. And Paul writes to the church in Galatia, and he says this this morning, Where is then the blessedness ye speak of? Where is then the blessedness ye speak of? And we know that God will bless that text to our hearts for His own name's sake. Where is the blessedness? Where is then the blessedness ye speak of? Because you see, this morning when Paul was writing to the church at Galatia, this was the very church that lost something that it once possessed. It had lost its liberty. It had lost its freedom. It had lost its joy. It had lost its zeal. It has lost many, many things. And I want to just bring out of this, first of all, something had happened. Something had happened. Because you see, brother and sister, this morning, let me point this out. They had not lost their salvation. Praise God, you can't lose your salvation. But what believers can lose is the blessings that accompany salvation. And that's what this church had lost. They didn't lose their salvation, but they lost the blessings that accompany salvation. You know, I believe that's what's wrong with many churches in our land today. They've lost the blessings that accompany salvation. And you know, this morning, as we, as we come to this message this morning, and I wonder, is this you? Have you lost the blessings this morning that accompanies salvation? You once were on fire for God. You once had a love. You once had a passion. And today, you don't have it anymore. Oh, you could be like William Cowper. You could write over your life these words, Where is the blessedness I knew when first I saw the Lord? Where is that soul-refreshing view of Jesus and His Word? Oh, this morning, brother, this morning, sister, is this you? Oh, you no longer have the joy. You no longer have the zeal. You no longer have that fire. You no longer have that passion that you once had. You see, when Paul was writing to the church at Galatia, this is what happened. They were, it was a church that was on the slippery slope of the claim. And you see, child of God, this morning, what was happening here? Something had come in that killed the blessing. Something had come in that killed the blessing. Something had come in that crippled their joy. 
And they now no longer have the joy and the blessing of what they had in a past day. Their power, their joy, their blessing had gone. Something had happened. You know, friend, this morning there's, you know, there's nothing annoys me more and saddens me more to see saints with sad faces. Oh, for goodness sake, smile up at me, please. But it's true. It's true. I remember doing a mission many years ago. It wasn't Sainfield, by the way, just in case you think I'm referring to you, but it wasn't. It was in a wee hall in Belfast. And I remember going to take the mission, and this brother met me at the door and says, Are you the man coming to take the mission? And I, I says, I am. Good for you. And I remember standing... Thank the Lord it was only a week. Not a fortnight. I knew all about the Lord's chosen, but I never knew what it was to be among the Lord's frozen. But I was among the Lord's frozen. And you're standing there singing the chorus, you know. And I was going, joy, joy. My heart is filled with joy. And the congregation, they were looking up, joy, joy. But you know, child of God, isn't it true? The world outside these four walls today that's unsaved, They're on the road to hell and they're searching for something and they can't find it. Brother and sister this morning, if they don't see any joy in our faces and they don't see any reality in their lives, well then, you know what they're going to say out there? That Christ doesn't work. They're going to say that Christ doesn't satisfy. But let me tell you this this morning. Please shout hallelujah. None but Christ can satisfy. There's none other name for me. There's love and there's life and everlasting joy, Lord Jesus, found in thee. Let me tell you, friend, I thought there was joy. I thought it was wonderful joy whenever I went to the discos on a Friday night and the dances on a Saturday night and sitting in wee Curly's pub on a Wednesday night. I thought that was joy. It was nothing compared to the joy that I have found in the Lord Jesus. Oh, friend, this morning, tell me, tell me, I wonder this morning, is this you? Oh, you've lost your joy. You've lost your sense of God, maybe. Oh, that's a big thing I think is missing today, too. A sense of God in our midst. And if there's anything we need today, it's a sense of God. You see, Paul was writing to this church because he saw He saw that the power was gone. He saw that the blessing was gone. He saw that the joy was gone. He saw almost all of them things non-existent. Where is then the blessedness ye speak of? Does Paul see? Does Paul know? Does Paul say What happened? You see, Paul puts his finger on the very thing that happened to this church. And I believe it's the very same thing that has happened in the churches of Ulster today, of all denominations. And let me tell you what happened. Here was a church that once enjoyed the liberty and the freedom that Christ brings. But they were brought back into bondage again. And it was under the bondage 
of legalism. Legalism. And I believe there's two spirits that's crippling the church today from knowing the joy of the Lord and from knowing the blessing of the Lord. You know what that is? The, the, the spirit of liberalism. Oh, I'll tell you, the spirit of liberalism has fairly crept in. Anything goes nowadays. Anything goes. Oh, we don't care. As long as you're saved, you can drink like a fish, smoke like a train, all the rest of it. We won't put you out and we won't, we'll accept you and all the rest of it. Listen, child of God, when you're truly saved, when you're truly born again, when you're truly redeemed by precious blood, you won't want to live whatever way you like. You want to live the way the Lord wants you to live. Oh, friend, I'll tell you. The, uh, the, the, uh, yes, yes. We, we were to wedding one day. The wife and me go to weddings. You know, these weddings are a powerful thing. They're nearly costing you now, dear, to go to your go to a wedding. Not, not what it was not my own wedding day. We went to a wedding one day in this particular church, and I'm not going to make fun of them because I don't like making fun of any Christian or denomination. But they were full of worship, and they were full of praise, and they were full of all the rest of it. And then we went to the reception, and me and the wife, we came to the door, and on, on one of the worship leaders in the group, he came to us at the reception with a tray in his hand and offering us a pint of Guinness or a, or a champagne. And, and, and I says, yes, what would you like? And I, what, he says, hey, brother, I haven't thirsted for the devil's, for the devil's buttermilk. She says, hey, I got a pint of John 14... Verse 6 into me one night. And I haven't thirsted one bit since for that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you what I can do. I could muddy you for a mug of tea and a bit of shortbread. But that's true. That's true. Oh, aye, that's true. But I'll tell you another spirit that has crept into our churches today. And it's hindering the blessing. And it's not the spirit of liberalism. It's the spirit of legalism. Oh, that's another spirit that maybe we don't like to admit. It's the spirit of legalism. You see, the church at Galatia slipped from the blessedness of liberty into the bondage of legalism. There was these teachers who crept in unawares, the Judas hires, who took them away from grace and brought them back under the law again. And these believers were directing the church. Instead of directing the church, they were dictating to the church under the law. It was no longer a word. It was to the works. And they lost the enjoyment of salvation. Yes. And that's what's wrong with many today, you know, as long as we have the outward show. Everything's all right, as long as you look great, and as long as you walk great, and as long as you talk great, and as long as your hair's combed right, if you have any, well then you're all right. And I'll tell you, friend, you're not all right. Because we're living in a society today, and we're living under this regime today. Well, now, as long as you look right in the outside, you're all right. doesn't matter whether you're talking to the brother or sister or not on the other side. You see, friend, let me tell you. Let me tell you, friend. The spirit of legalism has hindered the blessing too. It has quenched the fire. It has quenched the zeal. Oh, well, now, <laughs> oh, now we didn't do this 50 years ago. We're not changing now. Let me tell you something. There's two things, three things will never change. And you must never change. Number one, God never changes. 
Number two, the gospel never changes. Number three, man's need never changes. But what worked 50 years ago, friend, today, is not working today. It's not working. I'm sorry, but it's not working. Not working. I'm very friendly with a brethren man. And I was talking to him, and he was saying to me, George, uh, what are you doing this? Well, this is through COVID. He says, you know, uh, we're, we're doing driving. He says, but we've been doing driving churches before COVID because in these days we need to be getting out to tell the people they're not coming in, so why sit in when we should be going out? He says, you know, George, uh, the COVID done us the power of good. He says, what? He says, that the COVID done us the power of good. He says, why? He says, if we had mentioned in our hall that we would, would close the hall down on a Sunday night and, and, and go out and, and do drink, you'd been excommunicated. He says, you couldn't have got them talked to going out and having a drink. He says, you know, now we can't get them back into the hall again because they realize it's a success. You see, sometimes, listen, child of God, sometimes we have to move this and we have to move that and we have to move the other thing. But listen, God's message doesn't change and God's word doesn't change. Man's need doesn't change. Maybe, friend, this morning, as we take stock of our own life and our own, and our own spirituality, and you know the question would come, where is then the blessedness you speak of? My wife was talking was away visiting one day and she was talking to this other lady and their church is vacant and, and, uh, and, uh, and Tracy said to her, well, suppose you're looking out for a man now. Aye, we are, we're looking out for a man. And, uh, uh, and the lady turned around and said to her, we're looking for a, a, a young man, a young man, a married man, a young man with a wee family. And she went through the whole list and all the rest of it. And my wife turned round and she just said to her, Well, what about God's man? What about the man God wants? You know, nowadays it's unreal. Well, they have to have a man nearly like a film star now. They need to have a man now with white and teeth, no films, doesn't wear glasses, has his own hair. My friend, I'll tell you what our churches need today. We need in our pulpits today men anointed and sanctified by the Holy Spirit and who will stand for God's truth and who will lead the flock of God on with God and fearing nothing. Oh, child of God, yes. You see, this church was exercising the rituals. They're going through the motions, but they weren't enjoying the reality of it. You know, let me tell you, friends, we can have meetings every night of the week, and yet there's no motivation. No motivation. There's something that happened. But listen, something will happen. Because you see, in this text this morning, where is then the blessedness you speak of? You see, he's challenging the church. You know, where, where's the blessing that you once had? It's a bit like, it's a bit like Gideon. Do you remember the angel of the Lord came to Gideon in, in Judges 6? And the angel said to Gideon, he says, you know, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. You know, the Lord's with you. And Gideon turned round and said, well, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this evil befallen us? Where be all his miracles which our father told us of? And Gideon could say, well, listen, if you're saying what's true, well, then where's all the blessings, where's the blessedness that our forefathers talked about? Because look at the cut of us now. The Midianites are, are destroying us. And where is God? Where is God? And you know, it was a dark day for, for Israel when the Midianites destroyed all before them. 
And as far as the people of God in the days of Gideon were, the blessing had gone, the power had gone, the victory was non-existent. It was nowhere. Nowhere. But you know, Judges 6 and verse 1 gives you the answer. It says, Israel had sinned. Let me remind you, brother, let me remind you, sister, let me remind you, my dear brethren and sisters in Christ, nothing hinders the blessing of God more so than sin in the midst. And you know, friend, this morning, God cannot and God will not bless if there's sin in the midst. And the sin of legalism was in the church at Galatia. And here it was in the church of Galatia. And Paul, in chapter 3, verse 1, said to them, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? And Paul addresses them, O foolish Galatians. He says, Who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? You see, brother and sister, this morning, the hearts of the people wasn't right. I remember preaching one morning in another assembly of God's people in my text that morning was Psalm 80. Verse 4. You know what Psalm 80 verse 4 says? O Lord God of hosts, how long wilt thou be angry against the prayers of thy people? The prayers of thy people. Not against the prayers of the Egyptians or the prayers of the Philistines, not even the prayers of the Roman Catholic Church, how long will thou be angry against the prayers of thy people? And I'll tell you this, if we regard iniquity of any one kind in our hearts, we can quote half the Bible and quote half the hymn book and, friend, pray like a good God's not going to listen to us. God's not going to listen to us. But then Paul gives the wonderful address in chapter 5 and verse 1. He says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You see, brother and sister, this morning, here's a people, and the one... They weren't under bondage because of liberalism. They were under bondage because of legalism. And wait till I tell you, do you see legalism? I'm telling you, it's closing fellowships today. Over my years, I've been around some places, and wait till I tell you, because of legalism. There's fellowships today, and they'll be going well if they're about in five years' time. On the verge of closing today. Because the leaderships won't move. And they won't let young men take over the leadership. And the fellowships dying because of it. 
Oh, friend, listen. Where is the blessedness? Where is then the blessedness you speak of? Where is it? And Paul puts his finger on the pulse in this church. Here in Galatia, you've let men, you've let men bring you and keep you under bondage again. Brother and sister, you glad you're saved this morning. Are you happy in the Lord this morning? In fire for God this morning. There's nothing like in being saved. And there's nothing like living for him. Nothing like it. Nothing like it. And here this morning, as Paul addresses these believers, he brings the reality of the spiritual temperature before them. Where is then the blessedness you speak of? Something has happened. Something will happen. Something must happen. I often think of Joshua 7. Up until Joshua 7, everything was going well. Boys, I'll tell you, the hand and the power of God was upon the people of Israel. They crossed the flooded Jordan. They won the great, unbelievable conquest at Jericho. And immediately after the great times of blessing, the blessing halted overnight. Why did the blessing halt halt overnight? Why did it stop, friends? I'll tell you why. Because sin made its way into the camp. Sin made its way into the camp. And that's why, child of God, it's vitally and it's very, very, very important today that every one of us, myself included, and I suppose most importantly, myself above all people, we need to make sure our hearts and our hands are clean before God. And God brought out to, jo- brought out to Joshua... And he put the finger on the pulse as far as Joshua was concerned. Why Israel is no longer being blessed, he says, listen, the accursed thing is amongst you. God said to Joshua, wherefore liest thou in thy face? The accursed things amongst you. And God's blessing could never come until that accursed thing was discovered, until it was detested, and until it was destroyed. The problem with too many churches today is this sin, instead of being dealt with, is now brushed under the carpet, and nobody will see it, nobody will see it. Ah, but God sees it, friend, God sees it. You can't hide sin from everybody, but you can't hide sin from God. 
And there can't be a revival, there can't be blessing if sin's there. And brother and sister this morning, as I bring this message to a close, I want to ask each and every one of us, as it's not me, it's God. And He's pointing towards me right now, as well as He's pointing to you, is there anything in our hearts today that needs to be put right? Because if it needs to be put right, the sooner we put it right, then the sooner God will move and God will bless. Friend, the blessing doesn't just come through the pulpit. It doesn't come just through the pastor. The blessing of God comes through all of us. Through all of us. No wonder today is this the question you've been asking recently? What is wrong? Why is there nothing happening? Why is there no zeal, no joy, no passion? There's one thing I need more than anybody, and I think we all need it, is a closer walk with God. closer walk with God where is there the blessedness he speaks that's bound to be word of prayer together O God, our Father, this morning, as Thy Word has reached our hearts and our souls, we pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit Himself, Lord, indeed, bring that Word deep, deep, within our own lives this morning. And that, Lord, this very morning will be the morning and the very blessing and the joy and the zeal and the passion for God will be revived in those lives today who may have lost it. We thank you, Lord, that even though we live in very dark and difficult days, Yet, Lord, you're still longing to bless. And bless through the hearts and through the lives who are totally, completely, absolutely surrendered to thee. Set our hearts on fire in these days. Bless us, we pray. Lord, even the very words of our closing hymn, pierce our hearts. Speak to us. We pray in our Savior's name. Amen. Our closing hymn.
for this morning is 524 in the hymn book. It'll come up on the screen, I'm sure. Lord, for the years your love has kept and guided, urged and inspired us, cheered us on our way, sought us and saved us, pardoned and provided. Lord of the years, we bring our thanks today. Look at verse 2, Lord, for that word, the word of life that which fires us, speaks to our hearts and set our souls ablaze, teaches and trains, rebukes us and inspires us. Lord of the word, receive your people's praise. We'll stand once we get the introduction, please. Thank you. <laughs> 